is hour number three of the John and Leah Show. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media cultural and political landscape. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. A few more thoughts on the debate coming up on Monday night, which is expected to have blockbuster ratings. And it's interesting, Leah, how often our thoughts evolve. And your position on the debate seems to be what my position was months and months ago, which was this is going to be a massacre and that Trump will have no place to hide and he just will not be able to hang for 90 minutes uh, in a presidential debate against someone who may be a horrible, horrendous, corrupt, lying candidate, but at least she's a decent debater and she at least knows the basics. Uh, is that essentially your assessment, by the way? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that, is that okay. where you are? Uh, it, look, Donald Trump, it, just look at what he's done recently with the town halls. Right. When he is asked for an answer, he'll repeat whatever the moderator is saying, and then he'll do his great, great, yes, we've got to do something about it. And then uh, he'll kind of ignore it and go off the reservation. When he's on stage in a debate, Marco Rubio tore him a new one over Cuba. He had no, he was in so far over his head with Marco Rubio that I, I mean, unless the only thing that Trump has going for him is that you never see his confidence be shaken. There's never that oops from Rick Perry that you were talking about. You don't see his confidence shaken. And so maybe some people can buy into that. Uh, But I think he's going to miss having Gary Johnson there. Well, I've said that, and I wrote a column about that. I think if he loses, which I still think he will, I think the biggest strategic mistake was him not early on campaigning for and threatening to boycott, if it did not happen, the admittance of Gary Johnson into the debates. Because I think having three people would change the dynamic very much to his favor, if nothing else, for the fact that there's less time to corner him because right. everything's it's a, in thirds instead of halves. And, and there's a guy he can insult. Yes, instead of a woman. And also, I think that if Johnson got credibility, I think the millennials go to Johnson. And that helps that helps uh, Trump because it hurts Hillary. So right. strategically, I think that was a mistake. And I wrote that about a month or so ago. But I have to tell you, my thinking on this has evolved a little bit. I don't see a knockout in either direction. I Here's how I think it'll go down. I think Hillary will be healthy. I think that the... the He's not those, allowed to take cough breaks, you know. Okay, great. I think no, the, seriously. I, 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 <laughs> I believe that those people who are counting on her not being able to stand for 90 minutes will be sorely disappointed. Yeah, I think It's I, in the debate rules. Because okay. <laughs> Trump, because Drudge said it was, right. So... Um, so the reality is I think she will be perfectly healthy. I think that she will be in command of the issues far more than Trump. But I also think that Trump is going to be very difficult for her. She is as traditional a boxer as it gets, and he is basically a left-handed spaz on uh, barbiturates. I mean, he, there, there is no way to predict what he's going to do, and I think that he, she will be back on her heels because of that. 
If I was advising her, which I'm obviously not, I think she needs to give him his own medicine. I think he need, she needs to one-line him to death because she has a lot more cover in attacking him than he has in attacking her. The media will allow it. They will love it. They will not criticize her for it. She needs to take advantage of that. On the other hand, I think that Lester Holt has an enormous and probably way too much power here. Because I think there is a question, and we're going to deal with this in the next segment in more detail. I think if she gets asked the Colin Kaepernick question, she's in big trouble. Big trouble. Because there is no good answer for her because she has to hang on to the her base vote, which is the black vote in the inner cities. And so she has to support Colin Kaepernick and his protest and the national anthem and all that and how it is now spread like a virus, even in the high schools. And if that question is asked properly in a way that would really trap Hillary, there is no way she gets out of there without damage. And on the other hand, I mean, this is the biggest softball question for Trump ever. Because it's one of the few issues that's right in the eyesight of the average American who at least 60% of the American people are in agreement with Trump on. And he, and he can be as politically incorrect as he wants, and he can knock it out of the park. He can flip the bat. He can, he can do a home run trot, and it could be devastating to her. Do you see where I'm going with that? So you think Lester Holt doesn't bring it up? Well, interestingly, I think the riots in Charlotte may have saved Hillary because before the riots, Kaepernick would have been the natural entree for the topic, right? Right? I mean, it's an obvious news story, and it and it brings in the issue of police violence against black people, but there's another element to it which is lethal for Hillary, which is the patriotism act angle. Now that we have another news story that has at least temporarily superseded it, the, the riots in Charlotte, I think that will be the question, and she will get a break uh, because Kaepernick will not be immediately attached to it. Do you see what I'm saying? So if she's lucky, if she's lucky, Kaepernick will not be attached to the Charlotte riot question. On the other hand, if I'm Trump and if— or if, You're going you're gonna to attach it. <laughs> well, you're going to try, but it does, it's not the same thing— if, it, if it's coming from him as opposed to Holt. If Holt asks it, she has to answer. If if he asks it, she can say, I will not be lectured on race relations by the guy who said the first black American president was born in Africa for five years after he released his birth certificate, and she will win. So it has to be from Holt. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So So on the other hand, I do think that Trump is in trouble if birtherism comes up or if his taxes come up, not because he can't answer, although he's never given a good answer on either, but because I am of the belief that a huge percentage of the low-information, independent, undecided voters don't understand Trump's birtherism history, don't know that much about it, don't know that he's going to be the only modern presidential candidate to not release his taxes and, and what the implications are of that. So if Hillary is smart, she will raise both those issues simply as an education factor for these low information voters that will be tuning in for the first time. If she does that, you know what he's going to do. What's that? I'll show my taxes. When you bring me all those emails, you delete it. He'll try that, but that's not the same thing. That works. That works on people that, I mean, I guess it will, you know most independent voters are, in fact, but, but that's apples and oranges.
That's, I mean, yeah. it's complete apples and oranges. She released her taxes. If Again, this is the hypocrisy question on the- The taxes, uh, see, you're, you really honestly think yeah. that this is 20 years ago. No. People don't care about this no, anymore. You, you don't care about it because you're a Trump supporter. You don't care about I it. I didn't care about Romney's taxes. Yeah. Well, the reality is 62% of the American people in, uh, in poll after poll say that he should. He absolutely should because it's in the entire narrative of his- bogus fraudulent campaign is that he's super rich and that his business career is why we should be electing him president. The idea that he's not releasing his taxes is ridiculous. It's, it's just flat out ridiculous. And the idea that he's, he's getting away with it. All the same he's, stuff about Romney. He's clearly, <laughs> Romney released his taxes. Every, yeah, when he released them, then when he released them, he didn't give enough yeah. to charity. He didn't but, this, but he didn't that. But that's not true. I wouldn't. That's not true. That's, that no was one said true. That, that is not true. Fine, there is zero. Twenty five percent that he gave to charity, yeah. and everyone remember because he was the mean guy who made all that money and the, fired the, all those people. Trump, wow, you're you're believing a Trump lie that Romney lost because he released his taxes. There is not a I, shred of evidence about? of that. The Trump lied about I that. I lived through. I don't care about Donald Trump. Okay. I'm telling you what I reported right. that was in the freaking news back. Right. Ben, I'm telling you, Romney was hammered Rom- over his taxes, Bull and crap. I wouldn't release Bull them crap. either. Bullcrap. Bullcrap. And Romney was leading after having released his taxes. And by the way, it doesn't matter what the political implications of it are. It's something called right and wrong. I realize that those things don't matter anymore in this country, but it is wrong for someone to be elected president of the United States based upon their business record and their financial acumen and not release one year of their tax returns. That is wrong. That is, and it, 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 he is absolutely hiding something. I okay, hear, conspiracy. That, no, that's logic, Leah. That's, uh, no, that's no, logic. No, whenever that's anyone logic. else assumes that's something, logic. you call them brainwashed no, 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 conspiracy. No, 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 but no, when no, you no, Leah, do, Leah. it's logic. No, that's logic. Ask Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney told you months ago the only explanation for Trump not releasing his taxes is that he's hiding something. Most likely, most likely it's simply he's not that rich and he pays no taxes. That's the most likely scenario. That's the best case scenario, but that's also the most likely. But we ought to know that. If we're going to elect someone president based upon their alleged Business background. Anyway, it's not going to make any difference to the voters. It's not. Uh, the poll, going I know. The, I know you want to believe that. I know you want to. I know you want to believe that. I know you want to believe that. And I know that you. You want the only it. people who want it are the Hillary supporters. Sorry. That's not what the polls say, Leah. Yes, it only twenty six percent of the people in polls are on your side. I know. <sighs> I, re- I realize that we're living in a post reality, post fact, post logic world, but that's the reality of it. There's Donald Trump doesn't get to be president. You're uh, telling me that Donald Trump supporters want his taxes released. No, no. Leah, this isn't about Donald Trump supporters. This is about Donald Trump being at 42%. He needs to get to 46%. This is about how he gets to the other four. Per, he gets four more percentage points to have a shot at winning this when people who are just tuning in go, what? He hasn't released his taxes? How? Well, that's bullcrap. And that's the way the media would and should portray it because it is bullcrap. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll find. It doesn't bother you that Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation had to quickly 
refile five years uh-huh. of their foundation records to claim everything that they didn't do? You uh-huh. you really believe those coming out? And don't uh-huh. you dare, because those are facts, Ziegler. Le- Leah, Leah, Hillary Clinton has released an enormous amount of her personal tax information and the Clinton Foundation fa- tax information and I'm not going to I'm not going to be defending Hillary Clinton because your candidate is such a flipping fraudulent buffoon who who he has is, uh, that, He's not my candidate. Uh, yes, he but is. this lady uh, went through the IRS if, 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 because if, oops, if, she forgot to report. If, if if Hillary was not releasing her taxes, you would go bananas. None of her taxes are be, real. Okay, the well, foundation really? is a okay. complete okay. fraud. Okay. She forgot mm-hmm. to report her foreign donations. That was okay. everywhere. We reported okay. it here. Okay, that's good. So what difference <clears throat> does it make, Ziegler? It, Hers are fake. Um, okay, I'm glad, you've, I'm glad you've cleared that up for us. All right, we're way past break. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Because we went so long in the last segment, going at each other like cats and dogs. Very short segment here. I want to at least acknowledge the big story with regard to the police shootings of uh, black men in uh, Tulsa and in Charlotte and the riots that ensued in Charlotte. And Leah, you and I have talked about these issues far too many times. It's incredible and remarkable how similar the patterns always are now, where the rush to judgment is ridiculous. Oh, sure. Uh, it, we, we riot first, and then we find out what the facts are later. Loot, uh, loot, loot. Duh, let's not forget looting. And, and you know, this, this situation is going exactly the same pattern. Charlotte is the one that, um, you know, probably deserves more attention because it created more chaos and mayhem and, and as you said, looting and rioting, although the media called them protesters. That's right. He, he, correct, me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong on this. So we've got a, a black guy who is in a uh, city with a black police chief where yeah. who was shot by a black man. Correct. Who, unless the police are totally lying, we have a picture of the gun he was holding with his DNA on the gun with a holster. It's right there beside him in the in the video. Right. Um, and 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 by the way, so we have days and days of violent riots before anybody knows anything that really happened. There's a bizarre video by the guy who got killed's wife, which yes, I'm, that's. Mm-hmm. What is your interpretation of that in ten seconds or less? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, she's lying. Well. <laughs> I'm wondering whether or not it, this could have theoretically been part of a setup, that this was some sort of a suicide by police situation. Or a payoff, because it's millions. It's millions that's given out well, that would be before part of the motivation. a trial ever happens. That would be part of the motivation. Sure. I, I don't know this. This is I'm throwing this out as pure speculation to try to figure out how, something that's completely bizarre. But it certainly seems as if in the end, once again, we're going to go, wait a minute, this, there was nothing... The police did nothing inherently wrong or illegal here, but that doesn't matter to the race baiters um, or the media. All right, when we come back, uh, the startling revisitation of the John Bonet Ramsey story that Lee and I talked about last week. You won't want to miss this. 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, obviously, as a talk show host and a columnist, I'm a rather opinionated guy. I think you no know way. That. Yeah, I know. We've only known each other for what almost fifteen ten years. Ten years? Oh, more than yeah. ten years. We've known each other. Oh gosh, it's sixteen this year. Right. Oh, yeah. So we've known each other for a long time. <laughs> but I always like to joke, although seriously, there's a serious point to this. That though I have very strong opinions, I'm actually the most open-minded person in the world, and damn it, no one can convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, and I think I've proven that uh, on many issues where I have had my ma- mind changed with new information. I'm always open, even on Donald Trump, although it's not that open. But there's no uh, way. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're giving up on that one. <laughs> no, I mean, if there, if there was new information, uh, I'm at least open-minded. All right, but here's here's why I'm mentioning this, and there's a couple reasons why I'm gonna. I want to get into this topic in our last two segments that are not really related to the story itself. It's because I find this, and I think you will, and hopefully the listeners will, find this fascinating from a big-picture perspective. What I'm referring to is that we ended last week's show with a very quick discussion of the John Bonet Ramsey case because it's coming up on 20 years later, and all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, everywhere are these these documentaries or docudramas or whatever you want to call them. New uh, information. Right. And and one of them was on CBS last Sunday and this Monday, two hours each night, prime time. It was actually supposed to be six hours originally, but got cut back to four hours. And I took an interest in this, one, because I find the case relatively compelling, and all mostly because... There's a not even six degrees. There's a less than six degrees of separation to me in that story. And that is that the star of it is a guy by the name of Jim Clemente. Now, Jim Clemente is a guy who I have dealt with extensively on the Penn State Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky case. I have talked with him for hours and hours. I met with him on the set of the TV show Criminal Minds, where he is a consultant. And, you know, at first, this is the way I normally deal with people, Leah. (laughs) You're innocent with me until you are proven guilty. But once you're then proven guilty, look out, okay? There's no turning back. Right. right. So so I presumed Jim, you know, former FBI profiler, sex crimes expert. He's got, he's a consultant on a major TV show. The Paternos family had hired him to write a report on the case. I'm thinking, this guy's got to know his stuff. He's got to know a lot more than I do, right? He's got to know the case backwards and forwards. And as I'm going and I'm going along and I'm like thinking, this guy doesn't know crap. He doesn't know anything. And, and, nothing, have it. And, and, and nothing he's saying is making any sense. And even worse than that, he is so, to use your word, <laughs> invested in, in his particular theory that he came to before he knew anything. And what he's one of these guys who, it was very obvious to me, he has a theory first, and then he tries, he tries to find to prove evidence. It. Right, he tries to prove the theory. <laughs> and, and any evidence that doesn't fit with the theory is a Toss! Yeah, it never happened. Don't even tell me about that. And so it's amazing how often he can come to the conclusion he wants to if you cherry pick the information you want. And so um, that was my experience with him. And by the way, 
it wasn't just as a professional that I found him to be ridiculous. But one of the things that the, the final straw for me as a professional, he guaranteed me, Leah, guaranteed me that when I went into prison to interview Jerry Sandusky, that if I did what he told me, Sandusky would confess. I'm like, okay, great, cool. And okay. So, so, so I, because at that point, I'm presuming Sandusky's totally guilty. And I'm he like, knows. right, right, I'm, right, right. And I'm thinking, okay, that'll be a good news story if I get him to confess, right? Because I'm only worried about Paterno at that point. This was several years ago. I do exactly what Clemente told me to do. It, to the point where when he got the transcript, he actually complimented me. Yeah, you did exactly what I told he t- what he told me to do. I got nothing. I got a weird answer, but I got nothing close to a con- uh, confession. So I'm thinking, all right, this guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. And then when I was about to go on the Piers Morgan show on CNN, uh, back when Piers Morgan had a show on CNN, <laughs> about 20 minutes before I go on the air, Jim calls me, begging me not to use the key name in the case, which I had never used before, because he had been in touch with that person, and that person was really broken up about what was happening with my Today Show appearance that morning with Matt Lauer, and he was desperately hoping that I would not say the name, and he actually said that I could be in touch with that person if I didn't say the name on CNN. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't really trust Jim. I'm 15, 20 minutes from going on the air. I got a million things going on in my head. The whole thing is collapsing around me because of things beyond my control. So as I decide, being the nice guy that I am, it's amazing for someone who think people think is a jackass, almost all my mistakes are always being too nice. And I mean that sincerely. I mean, almost all my mistakes in my career have been because I'm too damn nice. So I decide to say, all right, Jim, as a favor to you, I won't say the name. Turns out it was a total lie. The whole thing was a flat-out lie. Why would he do that? Because he was afraid that if I said the name, the whole thing might collapse and his narrative that he put his name on would be exposed as a fraud. You're kidding. He manipulated me, okay? So, and he also, I think, was afraid that he would lose street cred within the sex abuse community if uh, somehow a guy that he was somewhat attached to, me, was going around using names uh, of of people who never said they were abused. So, anyway, so that's. So, he's got a little bit of evil going. Oh, oh, he's a complete fraud. But, but, but that's before I. This is going into the show. So. Last week after the show, I watched the Sunday night thing and I watched the Monday night thing to show you how open-minded I am. I, even though it's Jim Clemente's show and I, I've got, you know, my BS detector is set on stun, okay, because <laughs> I'm still open. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. All right. Okay. Now uh, I would have written him off. Written him no, off. I because I don't do that. I'm actually, to my point, I'm very open-minded, even against my own self-interest. So anyway, long story short, the theory of this two-part special on CBS, which I think is your theory of the John Bonet Ramsey case, mm-hmm. is that the son Burke killed his his sister in a rage, and that the parents covered it up. They right. go way out of their way. I mean, they make it clear cut. It's not even like an implication. They accuse Burke Ramsey of killing his sister John Bonet, and when I watched it, I'm like, okay, they really took some leaps. I mean, some huge leaps, but I didn't have a lot of information at the time, okay? And and usually, it's very rare, as you know, for me to comment a lot about something that I'm not fully 
uh, educated on. I, I, I don't like doing that. I mean, sometimes it's impossible in this you know, knee-jerk reaction world where you do have to make comment on things that you're not 100% educated on. I was not 100% educated on the case. I had always presumed that the ransom note was impossible to explain. There's just no possible way that that ransom note, which was written in the Ramsey household, which was four pages long, it would take at least a half hour to handwrite. There's just no way that an intruder would do that and that therefore it had to be somebody in the house and that the note had to be written by Patsy Ramsey. And the, the Burke theory, while it wasn't really based on much evidence, at least I thought, okay, that's possible. But I, I, I just felt like, wow, it's amazing they're, they're accusing this kid of killing his sister with basically no real evidence. And then two things happened. I watched an A&E special, and I spoke for two hours with the Ramsey's attorney, Lynn Wood, who also represented Richard Jewell in the Olympic Park bombing case. Oh, wow. Where, okay. he, where he was falsely accused there. Oh, yes. And I got to tell you, his life was ruined. Oh, yeah. I now, I, my entire worldview on this case has shifted dramatically. To and, what? And I, well, I'll share that with you when we come back Oof. in our final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host, Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where tomorrow morning you'll be able to get the full podcast for this edition of the John and Leah Show, as well as all other editions of the John and Leah Show at freespeechbroadcasting.com. In our final minutes, I want to, uh, as quickly as possible, and it's incredibly complex, but I'll try to simplify this as much as possible, Go through my dramatic evolution of thought this week over the uh, John Bonet Ramsey case, and I, I can't tell you Leah, how much time I spent on this this week. I, I not only watched the the four hours on CBS and uh, two hours, I, I watched the two hours on A and E twice. Once before I spoke with Lynn Wood, the Ramsey family attorney, for about two hours, and then once after. And by the way, just to, to give you a sense on Lynn Wood, because I understand somebody's attorney, you know, normally, oh, okay, yes. okay, but this guy is a straight shooter. It's not just because he, he represented uh, Richard Jewell, the, the guy who was falsely accused in the Olympic Park bombing in Atlanta so many years ago. I can tell this guy is incredibly knowledgeable. He's willing to acknowledge uh, problems for his side in the case. He explains them rationally. He, he's not afraid of any details at all. And uh, he's already won several settlements in, per, in pursuing media outlets in the past who have accused uh, both the Ramseys and their son, Burke, of this uh, murder of their of their daughter and sister, John Bonet. And by the way, he's going to be suing CBS, uh, which is really bizarre because from a media standpoint, Burke Ramsey, get, get this, Leah, you'll love these connections. So Burke Ramsey does an interview with Dr. Phil, right? I know you yes, used to like I, Dr. Phil. Dr. Right, Phil, I, I remember this. Dr. Okay. Phil is syndicated by CBS. Correct. Right? 
So that interview is done because they get wind of CBS doing this Jim Clemente special I told you about. So they get the Burke Ramsey interview out first. Then comes the Burke Ramsey committed murder two-part special on CBS. Lynn Wood is now going to sue CBS on behalf of Burke Ramsey. By the way, Lynn Wood represents Dr. Phil, too. <laughs> so, you oh have, my goodness. so you have this bizarre triangle of connections here, and it'll be a fascinating case. All right. Get to the point. Right, Who killed her? All right. I am positive that Burke Ramsey did not do this. And I'm positive that Jim Clemente's special is a flat-out fraud. What I did not know, among many other things, is that all Jim Clemente did for that CBS special, this is amazing, he took a completely ignored self-published book from many years ago and basically just used it as a script pretending to do a brand new investigation to the extent to which, and this is how bizarre and fraudulent the whole thing is, there's like 15 minutes in this special where Jim is in an audio sound booth with his co-host, you know, telling the guy with the 911 call, can we find out what the voice is on the 911 call after she tries to hang up but doesn't? I think I hear two or three voices, and I think they say this, this, and this. They're, they're pretending like this is the first time that anyone's doing this. This was all in the book. All they did was take what they the book said that this 911 call had mysterious voices in the background saying, and they duplicated it, but they acted it. It was all okay. an act. And by the okay. way, when you hear it, when you hear it, there's it's ridiculous. It's it's all nothing. There's no possible way to know for sure what is said by whom and if it has any significance. But here's why I know Burke Ramsey did not. Okay, who did it? I'll get to Leah. <laughs> Hold You're going to run out of time. You're going to run out of time. Okay. I know how this goes. Here, no. Burke Ramsey <laughs> did not do it, and here's why I know. Burke Ramsey did three interviews, including one with a police officer, before he ever had any knowledge of John Bernay Ramsey's death, where the police officer was positive, positive that Burke had no clue, zero, what had happened to his sister, other than the fact that she was missing. Then, and that was without the Ramseys even knowing it. Then the Ramseys, two weeks later, they have him do an interview with a therapist alone that's videotaped. This kid is is very unstable as it is. He's socially awkward. He's capable of saying anything. There is not a chance in the world if the Ramseys were covering up, going to massive lengths to cover up for their son killing their daughter, that they would ever put him in that situation. And then they put him in the situation again a year and a half later in the, in the same set of circumstances with a detective where once again there was nothing incriminating directly in what he said. He is a weird kid. His interview with Dr. Phil is bizarre because he's smiling at inappropriate moments. But there is zero logic at all if the Ramses are covering up for their son that they put their son in those circumstances at 9 and 11 years old. And by the way, which I didn't know, Technically, Burke couldn't even have been uh, 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 charged with anything because in Colorado, under the age of 10, you can't commit a crime like that. It's not, it's, it, they believe that if at that age, you're not capable of it. So, okay, well, my, my first thought 
was that she did it. Of course it is. All right, now, and and look, I thought for sure that that's had to be because the ransom note is inexplicable, all right? Um, however, as I've now learned more about the case, here's I'm into big in the narratives, and here's the narrative that I now think makes more sense because every other narrative that leads, so I've, I've in my mind, I've eliminated the Burke narrative. The mom narrative has numerous, while it's enticing, has numerous massive problems, and the dad narrative makes no sense at all. But what what I am now believing, because I've seen this happen in other cases, is that what really transpired here as a narrative is that the Boulder police came to an emotional and logical, but mostly emotional-based conclusion before they had all the facts, and that that conclusion colored the prism through which they saw everything. And they once they all come to the conclusion that the Ramses have to have been involved in this. Because there that, was no one else there. There was right, no footprints outside. Well, hold on, but footprints is an interesting example. There was no snow. Here's what happens. Let me go through the narrative. The police come to this conclusion. They're positive they're right because they were there, and they're like, this makes no sense. And I understand why they uh, they came to the conclusion this makes no sense, and they felt like the Ramses acted weird, and I get why they thought the Ramses acted weird. But now they're convinced. Now they just need evidence. So what they do is they leak false information, like the snow, because they're trying to put pressure on one or the other to flip on each other. But and, I lived there. Okay. It had snowed it, like crazy. Look at the pictures. Look at the pictures. That's why they, people bought it. The, the, the crime scene photos show no snow on the path at all. It, there, was, there was no need, theoretically. But look, look, here's the point. Let me finish with the narrative here. I believe it is. Here's what I now believe. I believe that it was actually correct to not indict the Ramsey family. Not because I know for sure. That, that the Ramseys didn't do it because I still have concerns about the ransom note. And by the way, I have concerns that the DNA that allegedly exonerated them isn't enough DNA. There should be more there if an intruder actually did the killing. But based upon what I now know, which we don't have nearly enough time to get all in, into, I don't think there was a chance in hell of ever getting a conviction because the everything we were told Almost everything we were told as evidence is either a little false or totally false. Let me give you an example. The the handwriting analysis of the, the ransom note, the bizarre ransom note that to me is the most important piece of evidence in the whole case. The three independent investigators who looked at that, they graded, they graded Patsy Ramsey on a scale of one to five. Five meaning there's no chance it's her. Now, we were told it was inconclusive, Right. It was only inconclusive by 0.5. The, the average of the three was 4.5. That's as close to there's no way it was her as possible. And according to Lynn Wood, the one who gave it a four was completely in the tank for the police. And he was doing it as a charitable act for them so that they wouldn't be completely embarrassed by the fact that their whole theory was that Patsy wrote the ransom note. Sometimes really bizarre things happen. And I think it is possible, if not probable, that this was one of those circumstances. That well, something they hadn't had a murder there in. I understand that. I get it. 
But they also, the Ramseys had had an open house where 1,500 to 2,000 people came to their house within a, a week or two because it was Christmas time of, of, of the, uh, the murder. So, look, I, I, I would have thought this is insane for me to be saying this a week ago. Insane, because I thought it was absurd, and I said this on the program, to think that the Ramseys didn't have knowledge. Watch the A&E special with an open mind and from the perspective of the, the fact that this could be a rusted judgment where everyone becomes committed and invested in a narrative that makes sense but isn't true. And the is media- there a suspect? Well, there's a DNA. They, don't, they haven't found who that is. Hmm. This could have been like the most perfect crime of all time. Unfortunately, I w- I, we'll talk about it again at some other point because it's fascinating what I think really happened. Lee, as always, thanks so much for your time. Next week we'll talk Thank about the you. debates and everything else. Until then, I'm John Ziegler. So long, everybody.